so glad to be here today. Uh, every hug, every smile, every hello and welcome that I've had this morning has absolutely uplifted my spirit. I don't know what people do in moments like this without church. I don't understand it. I don't know what hope people have without the local body church. <clears throat> and um, I want to read this to you real quick. Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 1. It says, And again he entered Capernaum. Actually, I'm going to read this to you in the New Living, the New Living Translation. I believe that's what we have up here on our screens. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching, Miss Brandy, uh, or Nikki, I'm sorry, while you're out there, would you mind grabbing me a bottle of water? Thank you. Um, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room, no more room even outside the door while he was preaching God's word to them. The God's word is being declared. God's word is being spoken here. It says that they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof. Above his head. Thank you. They dug a hole through the roof above his head. Somebody's trying to get to Jesus. And they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. He's talking to a sick man. He's talking to a man that cannot walk and um, assuming that the desired response that they were looking from Jesus was to lay hands on him as he had done many times. Their expectation was to lower him through this roof. They went through all the work and all the hassle to get a man that could not get there himself uh, to get him in front of Jesus. And his response to the man is, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there Thought to themselves, thought to them, they're not even speaking these words. They're just thinking to themselves. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Why do you question this in your hearts? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Uh, Jesus, in this moment has a response that's different than the expectation that the men and probably the paralyzed man had. It was definitely a different response than the religious leaders who obviously were only there to judge and only there to identify and only there to point fingers. Um, even in the house of God, even among the religious people, um, we have hearts 
that need to be healed. Hearts. He said, why do you question this in your hearts? And um, the, the last few days um, have been pretty hard for me. Um, because when I hear news like we've had in the last week, and the, the tragedies that we've had and the trauma that's taken place in our country, um, it, it hits me as an American citizen. I'm proud to be an American. I'm thankful to be in this country and thankful to live here. I'm proud of our freedoms. Just one week ago, we're celebrating Independence Day, freedoms. And, um, you know, last few days have been difficult because I've had to come to grips with the fact that our country is failing. Our country, uh, you know, I I remember being in high school, I was always kind of a history buff and enjoyed those kind of things. And I remember being in high school and growing up and learning about these governments and nations that were powerful, man. I mean, some of the most powerful nations in the world, you know, the Roman government, the Roman Empire is one of the most powerful empires ever on the face of the planet. And where are they today? You know, and, and, and you, you hear these stories of nations that rose up to greatness but crumbled. But when you talk about America and the United States of America and how great our country is, I think there's always, I, I know for me, just kind of been this mentality that, you know, we're invincible, that we'll never be laid to ruins like these other nations did in the past. We'll, we'll, we'll stand forever. We've, we have figured it out. The United States, 340 years ago, we figured out what works. We figured out what all the other nations and all the other empires got wrong, and we've, we've figured it out. We have fixed it. And, and, and here we are, 340 years later after independence, and, uh, you know, we're beginning to have to come to grips and face the music that our country could possibly on, be on the verge of dissolving. And I've listened to a lot of people the last few days. I have not uh, said a whole lot. The only person I've had any conversation with about any of the events that take place was my wife. Um, if you try to have a conversation with me to get my opinion about any of the things that took place, I would probably will not have a conversation with you about that because I don't have an opinion. I'm in the kingdom of God and my king, and my God has an opinion, and I will only side with the word. And I'm asking today, what side are you on? What side are you on? Man separates and man divides differently than God does. God does divide. He sure does. Jesus came and he said, I'm coming to bring a sword. I'm coming to separate wheat and tares, sheep and goat, or sheep and wolf, goat, or uh, uh, light and dark. Right and wrong. That's how God divides. Our world divides differently. We divide over anything these days. Color, race, beliefs, politics, 
money. We separate in ways that God never designed us to separate. So if we separate in the way that God never designed us to separate, then we can't unify in the way that God designed us to unify. You can't bring unity where there's division. And so I've, I've done a lot of listening and a lot of reading um, because these days social media allows us, and, and I just want you to bear with me today. I'll be honest with you, this is probably one of the hardest times that I've ever had getting up, and, and you know, I can count this probably in the top three. Um, I remember getting up in front of a church, this church, after a man goes into a kindergarten and slays about 28, 29 kindergartners. Um, that was pretty difficult. Uh, tragedy is becoming more. Uh, it's not as rare as it used to be. And, um, you know, for me, I, I have the responsibility and the burden and the weight of getting up in front of a church body. I mean, I could easily just move on and act like nothing happened and just minister a great message and let's all just shout and go home and praise God. But uh, there are some things we got to deal with. And um, I believe that I have the burden and the responsibility, and I take it very seriously. The last few days, you know, any waking moment that I've had, it has been on my mind how to address this and what to say. Um, I've got a little note here that's just any little thing that God's given me, any thought that God's given me, I've just put it down, and I hope that we can make sense of it today. But he led me to this passage because I, I believe that the issue at hand, nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about the real issue. Nobody's talking about what is truly the problem. And we're trying to cure a sickness with the wrong medicine. We're trying to heal a disease with the wrong procedure. And uh, the, the issue at hand not to oversimplify it and, and not to make light of it, but it's simply the heart of man. Jesus responds to these religious leaders, the ones that should have been on Jesus' side. I mean, come on, man. We've got a man that cannot walk. We've got a man that is sick physically and obviously internally. Jesus makes a statement that, honestly, we should have been rejoicing about. Jesus makes a statement that, honestly, if anybody should have been excited to hear that Jesus could forgive sin, it should have been the religious leaders who had devoted their lives to trying to get their sins forgiven the hard way. I mean, if, if you were spending... $1,000 on something, and somebody came in and said, hey, man, you can get that for 10 bucks." You would be excited. If there was an easier way, if there was a simpler way, if there was another way than having to slay all these animals, if there was another way uh, than to have to, uh, you know, uh, lay all this stuff on the altar, if there was another way uh, than to have to pray all these prayers and go through all these routines, all the Old Testament is, is what we're repeating now in America it's man trying to do what only God can do. 
And, and God had to have this period of time. God, to ha- God had to have this moment of time because uh, if we don't recognize that our attempts are futile, we'll never trust in his. So the Old Testament is just simply God trying to show mankind, no matter what you do, you can't figure this out. You can't fix this problem. It's a heart issue. The first thing the devil did in Genesis chapter 3 was he turned man against God. The second thing the devil did is he turned man against man. Because if you fight the wrong enemy, you won't win the war. You got to hear me today because I'm, I'm going to get to the heart of the matter. I'm going to get to the issue that's at hand today. The devil has been working since the beginning of time to distract man from the real fight. We got, there's a fight. There's a fight. And when you came into the kingdom of God, you signed up for the fight, the real fight. And what the devil has done is he has distracted man. And so we fight our spouses. We fight our families. We fight our coworkers and our employees, employers. We fight the different colors. We fight the different financial statuses. We fight the different political differences. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fight over are we going to Wendy's or McDonald's. We'll, we'll fight over anything today. If we can find a way to be different, we'll be different. If we'll find a way to divide, we'll divide. Division is the enemy's number one tactic. Separation is how he operates. Why? Because if you are not unified, you cannot fight. Show me one platoon that can go fight divided. Show me one sports team that can go win a championship divided. Show me one organization that can turn a profit divided. Show me one marriage that can flourish divided. Show me one family that can grow and develop and be healthy divided. Show it to me. You cannot. Because division is the enemy's number one tactic in the world today. I'm not making light of a race issue. We've got a race problem. I'm not making light of the political issues. We've got a political problem. I'm not making light of the corruption in our government. We've got corruption in our government. I'm not making light of these issues. But I want us to see where the real battle is. Because if we fight the wrong fight, we'll lose the right war. And it is possible to win a battle that you were never designed to fight. That's possible. And the devil's winning, not for a lack of resource, not for a lack of ability, not for a lack of power, not for a lack of identity. We're we're, we're losing the battle and he's winning the battle because we simply divide. And it all goes back to the heart. Jesus identifies here with these religious leaders. It's your heart that's the problem. Jesus here is, is actually trying to show the religious leaders something. He's trying to show them the freedom for what they've been working so hard to get. He's actually trying to set them free in this moment. He does this demonstration for those very men to show them 
I've got a better way than what you've been trying. If anybody should have been rejoicing, it should have been the religious leaders. But yet they turned their heart against Jesus. They turned their heart and began to point fingers and began to judge and began to say, what, what is this man? Who, who can do this? Only God can do this. And they failed to see that Jesus not only wants to heal physically, he wants to heal spiritually. And if our nation wants to see healing, you cannot heal a land without first healing the heart. And I think that we are attempting something, and I think that we have an expectation of what people are capable of doing that they're not. I've listened to pastors. If I threw their names out there, you wouldn't know them. Large churches, large ministries. And... It, it, you know, really to me, the greater tragedy is people's responses to the tragic events that have taken place. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I read from somebody, I need to get off Facebook. I can't take this anymore. Probably at least a dozen times I saw somebody post that. Whether they did or not, I don't know. But our, our, our world is reactive. Can somebody please be proactive about something? Can, can we please put something in place that causes these things to not happen? Can we, can we please address the real issue? And first and foremost, what has to take place if we want to see healing in our land, we have to see healing in our heart. Evil in the world is a result of evil in men's hearts. And good in the world is a result of good in men's hearts. And when Jesus came, he said, I've come to bring the kingdom. And he said, I have put the kingdom within you, in your heart first. God is not doing anything in this earth without using you and I. Without using you and I. I actually heard pastors uh, this past week. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure they had good intentions, and, and this is why we've got to be so careful when we respond to things and, and say things because, you know, especially on social media, your stuff can be so misunderstood and misconstrued so quickly. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just not worth it, guys. It's not worth it. We all have a sphere of influence. You have a sphere of influence. That means there are people that God has placed in your life to impact and influence for the kingdom of God. This is my sphere of influence. So I'm not going to jump on a social media outlet and share what I should be sharing with the sphere of influence that God has given me. I guard that and I protect that. That's not my sphere of influence. 
That's not my, uh, I, I'm here for the world and I can influence the world, yes, and there are good things you can do on social media and, and all those things. But the impact, my, 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 my greatest impact that I'm going to make for the kingdom of God is where God has placed me in the city and the communities that he's placed me. Thursday night before the shootings took place, I was downtown uh, before our mayor and the city council praying with them. And I specifically prayed for our city and I specifically prayed for our law enforcement for their safety. I honestly don't even know why I prayed that outside of just praying for the Holy Spirit. And then Friday morning, we have an issue right here in our own city. The officer is alive today. Is that because of my prayer? I don't know. But I do believe in the power of prayer. And I will not reduce the power of prayer. Yes, there are practical things we need to do. Yes, there are uh, ways that we can reach our community, and we are in talks now as a church of what can we do to be an influence and be a light in our community, with, specifically with our law enforcement. We will be doing that. We will be doing that. We've got to ask those questions. What can I practically do? What can I get out and do with my hands? Because you can post all you want on, on, on Facebook all day long, But until you're actually willing to put your hand to something and get out, you're not honestly making any real change. Now, power makes or prayer makes change. Bible tells us that our prayers of a righteous man are powerful. They make things happen. They make change happen in the earth. Your prayers. I heard one pastor say, uh, yeah, but, you know, Jesus was active and Jesus was doing things and Jesus... When you have prayed as much as Jesus prayed, then you can make that statement. But prayer was a, a, a greater priority for Jesus than it, than it is uh, for myself and than it is for most believers that I know. Period. When's the last time you got away from everything? Shut it all down and prayed. When's the last time you stayed up all night in, 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 in anguish? About the world. When's the last time that the, the, the things that were going on in the world moved you so much that the only thing you needed to do was to get on your knees and pray? When's the last time you've had that conversation with God? These are serious matters. And this isn't popular stuff. This isn't what uh, most pastors are probably preaching today. I, I'm not a civil rights activist. I, I'm not here to, to push agendas today. I'm just here to simply show you the word as the directive. For how we navigate through these troubled times. I honestly believe that these are the brightest days for the church. We know that as the world gets darker and as the things get darker, the church ought to be shining brighter. But I want to say this, and I want to say this very clearly. That there is a sifting that's taking place in the church. And the real church will rise out of these moments and opportunities. And I mean real church. Just because you got a sign out by your road that says church on it does not mean you're acting as the church of the living God. And there are going to be moments here in these last days where you'll have opportunities to compromise standards and compromise the word and, 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 and compromise what you believe to blend in because that's easier and that's more comfortable. I, I can't tell you uh, the, the things that I have seen that have revealed to me the tragedy that's in the church. There's part of me that's not even surprised at what we're seeing in the world because there is no priority for the things of God like there ought to be in our nation today. Our leadership has turned their back on God. 
We have removed God from everything that we can possibly remove him from. And if we haven't yet, we're fighting for it. No priority for the things of God. We come to church and we just hope that the pastor can hurry up and preach so I can get on home. When I was growing up, you didn't plan stuff on Sundays. You saved your birthday parties and you saved your events and you saved your uh, trips for Saturday. Sunday was seriously a day of rest. And some of us are so busy and so tired because we're not taking the one day of rest that God gave to us to seriously set aside for him and, 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 and spend time in his presence and spend time in his word and spend time hearing him and then spend time resting from the things that are bogging us down Monday through Friday. And we wonder why we can't get through our week. It's because we don't give the right emphasis and the, 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 the right priority to what's taking place on Sunday. And Sunday is Sunday. We don't carry what takes place on Sunday through our Monday through Friday. I'm talking in general, the church as a whole. The values and the priorities for the things of God have diminished. And we wonder why we're seeing more and more tragedy and more and more. I'm telling you today that you're not going to be able to pinpoint it on a specific event that takes place in our nation. It's because the church, I carry the burden of what I see in our nation as a kingdom citizen. I carry the weight as the church of the living God, as a citizen of the kingdom of God that is here to demonstrate the power of God. Yes, I know that Jesus promised that there would be hard times. Yes, I know that Jesus promised that there would be uh, turmoil and trials and tribulations and uh, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I know this, but I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus isn't doing anything in the earth without you and I. And if you have made yourself a spectator and a bystander to what's taking place in our earth, you are a part of the problem, not the solution. If you're looking for an escape route and wishing that you could get out and wishing that we could just all go to heaven and get out of this thing and Jesus, please come home and, 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 and please come and take me home, uh, then we are missing the point of, of why we are even in the earth in the first place. And, and I'm done playing games. I'm done chasing uh, the things that are uh, uh, distractions. And I believe the church is distracted more than it's ever been. There are pastors that are using this stage and using the pulpit for their advancement, not the advancement of the kingdom of God. It's for their name. They write their books and they preach their sermons and they sell their CDs. And it's all about them. They build their buildings and they, 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 they gather uh, the, the, the uh, best production environments that they can possibly get. And it's all about them. It's time for the church of God to rise up. We are distracted and we are confused from what the real issue is at hand. And we are more concerned about the natural than we are the spiritual. I heard one pastor say this past week, I don't want to over-spiritualize it. You can't over-spiritualize it. It is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue. Everything that happens in the natural has a source in the spiritual. This is a spiritual issue. It's the hearts of men that must be turned to God. There are only two ways to live in this world. 
You can live according to the kingdom of God or you can live according to evil and to the kingdom that Satan has tried to build. That's it. You're obeying one of the two. There's no in-between. There is no in-between. And what we're seeing today is, is the disasters and the tragedies that take place when men decide to live for themselves rather than live and give their lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me that if I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not last, not second, not everything else, I'm going to try everything else and then see uh, what the kingdom can do. We have to make the king of kings and the lord of lords our Lord, in our lives, and in our hearts. Not just Savior. Jesus is not just Savior. Savior is what he did. Lord is who he is. Savior is what he did. He saved you from hell. He saved you from your sins so you don't have to live according to the ways of the devil anymore. But now we have to allow what we have become to change who we are and change what we do. And the church doesn't have this identity. The church doesn't have an identity of what it means to get on your knees and pray. The church doesn't have an identity of what real worship is. It's confused. It's distracted by all the other things that are going on. The, wor- the, wor- uh, the, the, the church doesn't know what it means to set the word first place and make the word a priority in your life. And that is uh, where you get your answers. We go everywhere else for answers. It's the church. The burden lies with us. The local church is the hope of the world. We say people need Jesus. We are Jesus. You and I are Jesus to every conflict we come into contact with, with every issue that's that's taking place. And what I'm seeing today is the church is just as confused as the rest of the world. The church is, the, 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 the world is confused. The world is distracted. I mean, when you can take the videos that we uh, have probably all seen in the, in the last several days and you can put that before anybody's eyes, that used to be stuff that was blocked. Like they didn't show that stuff. That, that stuff didn't make it to the news. That stuff didn't make it. And then on top of that, you eliminate the middleman. You eliminate the, the media outlet. You eliminate the investigators going in that are professionally designed to do these jobs. And you come to your own conclusion when you've taken something out of context. And every time you take something out of context, you arrive at a wrong conclusion. When you take something out of context, you will arrive at a wrong conclusion. It's not until you have all the facts, until you have all the clarity, until you're able to see the thing from beginning to end, not just the piece in the middle that people want you to see. It's not until you can gather all those facts until we can come to the right conclusion. And it creates an an emotional disruption and an, an emotional uproar within people because nobody on this face on the face of this planet should be excited about seeing a life taken for whatever reason there's only one that comes to take away life he's the thief he's the enemy he's a liar he's a cheater he's a stealer he is the deceiver of the brethren and he has concealed the real issue Therefore, we are fighting the wrong battle. 
But if God is going to heal our land, we must first allow him to heal our heart. Second, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 7, we all know this verse. Verse 14, then if my people who are called by my name, what does that tell us? That tells us that we bear the weight and we bear the responsibility. He says, if my people who are called by my name, he's not asking the world to do something they cannot do. He says, my people called by my name. Do I have any of God's people in the house today that are called by his name? That's you. He's talking about you. Will humble themselves. Oh, boy, humility. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. It's a, it's a combination of things. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to pray. You've got to seek his face. And you've got to turn from wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. And look what he says. I will forgive their sins and restore their land. I will heal their heart before I heal their land. The same thing Jesus came preaching. This is what the religious leaders were looking for. Jesus forgave the man's heart. He saw a priority in changing what was on the inside just as much as there was a priority on changing what's on the outside. And see, that's the one thing that we don't want anybody to touch. The heart. We'll, let, we'll, we'll, we'll change everything else before we change our heart. We'll try and fix uh, uh, everything else before we change our heart. I'll, I'll try treating my spouse differently. I'll, I'll try uh, going to work with a better attitude. I'll, I'll, I'll try changing how I do this. But don't talk to me about my heart. God knows my Don't judge me. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. He sure does know your heart, and he knows that it's sick. And he knows that it's corrupted. And he knows, look, you cannot pin the evil that we're seeing on the world simply on people's actions. It comes from a place much deeper than that. It comes from somewhere that's beyond the surface. And all we're doing is where there is lawlessness in our land today. Lawlessness. The absence absence of law. The rejection of law. Because we believe that laws are there to restrict us and and bind us and and, and keep us somewhere. When God brought laws in to release us and to give us freedom and and, and to allow us uh, to to enjoy what's on the inside. The blessing is inside the boundary, not outside of it. And from little children, we are constantly trying to push the boundaries. Push the limits. If we find a line, we want to stay as close to the line as we can, uh, and and eventually you're going to fall over the line. And I'm telling you today that as a church, I'm not here to compromise any boundaries and any lines. If there's a standard in place, I want to stay as far away from the boundary as possible. The Bible tells us to flee even the appearance of evil. That's how far away from the boundary we ought to be. We ask some of the dumbest questions in churches today. Is it okay to drink alcohol? 
Is it okay to, to smoke? Is it, is it a sin? We, we ask the stupidest questions. Is it a sin? Who cares if it's a sin? What is God telling you? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If he told you to give it up, would you be able to give it up? Or have you drawn a line that says, God, you can touch everything else in my life except for this right here. And you can't touch that. We all have the one thing, just like the rich young ruler. And Jesus is calling disciples. Jesus is calling people that are going to give up. I'm telling you right now, if you've got anything in your life you're not willing to let go of or not willing to give him access to, there's a struggle going on on the inside that's only going to lead you down a path you don't want to be. We need people to rise up in the last days that will make Jesus the Lord of their life and stop playing games. He is king. He's on the throne. But you've got to make him Lord of your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can do it now or there will be one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You will say it one day whether you give it up on your own or not. He said, if you can't leave father or mother, if you can't leave brother, if you can't leave home or job, if you can't lay down your life, crucify your flesh, you can't follow me. And I honestly believe that the church is going to be a lot smaller than we believe it, than we think it is. The church is going to look a lot smaller. There's too many that are playing games. There's too many. I saw a man yesterday, Pastor John George. He was here a couple years ago, down in Peru, ministering to over a thousand men. They said it's winter there. There's no heat. None of the stuff that we enjoy. And a thousand men, men, not women, men. Grown adult men worshiping God, praising God, and hearing how they can grow in their faith. We, we, we've got too much in, in our country. Uh, the, the, the things that we're seeing in our nation today, it's because the church has allowed too many distractions and, and, and too much confusion, and, and, and we don't even know what we worship anymore. We don't even know our God. We don't even truly have a relationship with him. We're just trying to get from Sunday to Sunday. God doesn't want a Sunday relationship. He doesn't want conjugal visits. He doesn't, he doesn't want to. He says, allow my word to abide in you and you abide in my word. Abide, abide. The word abide means to dwell, not visit. He doesn't say, I want you to show up every now and then. He says, I want you to live here. I want you to dwell here. I want you to make your home here. I want you to not just show up and visit me, but I want you to stay here. You are the temple of the living God. And I'm calling the church this morning to action. To truly pray for the healing in our land. But are we placing an expectation on people that they're not capable of, of fulfilling? Are we asking people to walk in love that don't know anything about the love of God? Are, are, we, are we showing that to people? The, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Perfect love casts out all fear. But I know Christians today, they're just as fearful as the rest of the world. Just as concerned as the rest of the world. 
Fear hinders you. Fear limits you. Fear does not allow us to be effective. When we are, are, are controlled by fear, we cannot be effective for the purpose that we've been given. It's perfect. Love casts out all fear. This isn't a time to debate. This isn't a time to, to uh, contradict. This isn't a time to point fingers. This isn't a time uh, to, to call out. Look, there's, thing, there's action that we need to take, sure. There's injustice that's taking place in our world, absolutely. But are you reacting? I believe there's a difference between reacting and responding. I believe there's a difference between reacting and responding. If you want to make, real, make a real difference, you want to make a real change, first pray. We need to offer more prayers and opinions. If your first step is Facebook, you have just overridden the most powerful thing you have. If that's your first step, is to throw a con- Did you pray about that comment? Did you stop and think about that comment? Did you slow down and say, God, I, 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 I need your help with this. What is really the problem? What is really the issue? Before you got in that dialogue and that conversation with that individual and got in that debate, did you stop and talk to God first? I'm not saying that's the only course of action. But I am saying it ought to be your first course of action. Because God will give you direction. God is not surprised by these events, guys. He's not sitting up in heaven going, what in the world is going on? Where is this coming from? There's no problem that we can come against in our, in, in our culture in our society in our world that god hasn't already given an answer for we're not powerless in these moments and then there's other courses of action that we can take as a church we can outreach we can we can reach out to our communities and and cities we can be a, a a beacon of light we can help bring discernment and understanding to what's going on we can help bring direction there are people in this room that probably ought to be running for office If you don't like what the government's doing, get in there and change it. A lot of the problems that we see in our life and in our world, you were designed to fix. Quit pawning it off on somebody else to fix it. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Write a letter. Run for office. Who says you can't run for office? Get on the city council. Get a voice in there. And be a light to people. But when we join in with the world, we become a part of the problem, not the solution. When we join right in with what they're doing and what they're saying, and and, and we lose the value for people's lives and, 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 and lose the care for the things that we're seeing in our world today, we are not fixing anything. We're here to bring direction. This is, what, this is what the true church is supposed to do. This is what the true church is supposed to do. Before I say America needs to wake up, 
I believe the church needs to wake up. I believe the church needs to wake up. I'm not here to say what's popular. I'm not. What happens next Sunday happens next Sunday. Where you go next Sunday, you go next Sunday. I'm done with with all that chasing and what what, what people want to hear and what people think about you. I'm done with it. The only thing I'm concerned is, is, Lord, am I fulfilling the purpose for which you've called me for on this earth? And I believe the purpose of the church is much greater than the church believes. I believe the purpose of the church is much greater than what the church preaches. I believe the church's purpose is way greater than what it's currently revealing. Our presidents got up and said, America, we need to do better. We can do better. And I'm standing before you with the same plea for the church. Church, we can do better. We can do better. Give your life to the Lord. Let him heal your heart. There there are hurts and pains right here in this room. It may not ever make national television. It, it, it may not uh, 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 violently and tragically take the life of another, but there are hurts and pains right here in this room that are taking your life, and it's just as tragic to me as what we've seen on the Internet. Just as tragic. Just as tragic. We need healing in our land. But we need healing in our hearts. We need healing. You can't heal what is hidden. You can't heal what is hidden. The things that we hide from, the things that we don't want anyone to see, the, the, the things that are in our hearts that we won't let anybody touch. But man, they dropped that man right through the roof in front of everybody. Why? Because my healing's worth it. My healing's worth it. My healing's worth it. And today, you may be the man on the mat, but you need the healing. Chase, guys, if you can come up. You might be the man on the mat. You might be one of the four friends, but you know somebody that needs healing. You need to get them to Jesus. Be sensitive to the words that God would have you give and speak over someone's life. Or you may be the religious. You've jumped right in with the with the world. Whatever that is today, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Healing needs to take place. Healing needs to take place. You know, there's a point in time when we become sick that sometimes you can heal that sickness with just surface procedures, maybe taking some medicine or maybe putting something on it. 
there's a, there comes a time when it gets bad enough and it grows bad enough, you've actually got to get up under the skin. You've got to get beyond the surface. And you've got to allow a procedure, surgery to take place. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah, this has got a longer recovery time. But it heals from the inside out. From the inside out. Jesus didn't come to heal from the outside in. He came to heal from the inside out. He was revealing that day through that young man that the healing that I'm coming to bring is much greater than just changing what you look like on the outside. I'm coming to change what's on the inside because what's on the inside is affecting and influencing and dictating what's on the outside. So today, I'm asking you to let God do the work on the inside. Let God do the work on your heart. We've got heart problems. We've got heart problems. But Jesus came to repair the very thing that you and I cannot touch. Men's hearts. Hearts. We won't see healing on the outside until we allow healing on the inside. Father, I thank you today that your healing power is in this place today. And we give you access to our heart. We're tired of looking at things on the outside. We're tired of of looking at the color of it, the status of it, the reaction of it. We want to change the heart we want to get to the heart of the matter we need you to heal our hearts we turn our hearts towards you we give you first place give you first place in our lives whatever it is in our hearts that we have not given up that we have not let go we give you access to that right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you are the healer. You are the restorer. You you are the one that has the power to change our hearts. Your word can pierce even to to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. Your word can pierce our hearts. Bad trees produce bad fruit. It starts with what's on the inside. Father, I thank you that good trees produce good fruit. We give you access this morning to our heart, to minister to our hearts, to heal our hearts. Father, we pray that you'll move in our nation this country. May we not see our country continue to move in this direction. May we stand in the gap as your people. We're citizens of the United States, but first, we are citizens of your kingdom. Being a a citizen of your kingdom gives us the power and the ability 
to make influence in this world, in this country, in this nation. The demise, the turmoil, the the disillusion of, of principles and beliefs that we once held so strongly. Father, as your church, we will not succumb to that. We will not give in to that. We will not compromise to to allow the ways of the world to infiltrate the church. But as a church, we will make our way into the world. We will show the world what the standard looks like. We will show the world what it means to stand up for what we truly believe in. We will show the world to to help them identify that your ways are greater than our ways, to help them understand that your principles are greater than any principle we can establish for man. We want to be the difference. We want to be the difference. We want to make a difference. stand to your feet. If you would stand to your feet, I want to, I want us all to sing this song together. Nothing but the blood. We all know it. Because in the midst of the tragedies and the things that we have seen over the past week, doesn't tell you what the outside looks like. When you see that blood, it doesn't tell you how much money they made. The blood doesn't tell you what political party they side with. The blood doesn't tell us what color their skin was. blood doesn't tell you what denomination whether they were spirit filled or Baptist or Methodist all the things that we use to divide and categorize the blood doesn't tell you that and the blood comes from the heart So Jesus did the one thing that could heal the heart. He shed his blood. He shed his blood. Because only blood can restore that life. Only blood, only his blood can renew that mind. Only his blood can heal our lives. I don't care how well you've got it together on the outside. I don't care how much is in your bank account. I don't care uh, what you live in. I don't care uh, how much you have gained in the world. You can gain the whole world and still lose your soul if we don't allow the healing to take place on the inside. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Let's sing that. What can 
Father, there's nothing else but your blood shed by your Son that can heal us, redeem us, restore us, make us new again. Father, we pray that the precious blood of Jesus will cover our hearts, cover our lives, renew us and restore us, Father. We are the light of the world. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for your healing power this morning. We thank you. The blood of Jesus has been shed. It has redeemed us. It has restored us. It has bought us back out of hell, out of sin, out of evil, out of the hand of the enemy. We have been transferred into the kingdom of your beloved son, the kingdom of light, into Jesus Christ. Father, may we declare your goodness. May we declare your faithfulness. May we rise up as your church. May we no longer be distracted by attacking and and fighting. It's not about me against you. It's about us against him. And we will unite greater than we ever have. We will come together and join forces, lock arms, to fight the real battle at hand. Father, we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated real quick.